a reading from the Book of Wisdom. Resplendent and unfading is wisdom, and she is readily perceived by those who love her and found by those who seek her. She hastens to make herself known in anticipation of their desire. Whoever watches for her at dawn shall not be disappointed, for he shall find her sitting by his gate. For taking thought of wisdom is the perfection of prudence, and whoever for her sake keeps vigil shall quickly be free from care, because she makes her rounds seeking those worthy of her and graciously appears to them in the ways and meets them with all solicitude. The word of the Lord. My soul is thirsting for you, O Lord, thirsting for you, my God. My soul is thirsting for you, O Lord, thirsting for you, my God. O God, you are my God whom I seek. For you my flesh pines and my soul thirsts, like the earth, parched, lifeless, and without water. My soul is thirsting for you, O Lord, thirsting for you, my God. Thus have I gazed towards you in the sanctuary to see your power and your glory. For your kindness is a greater good than life. My lips shall glorify you. My soul is thirsting for you, O Lord, thirsting for you, my God. Thus will I bless you while I live. Lifting up my hands, I will call upon your name. As with the riches of a banquet shall my soul be satisfied, and with exultant lips my mouth shall praise you. My soul is thirsting for you, O Lord, thirsting for you, my God. I will remember you upon my couch, and through the night watches I will meditate on you. You are my help, and in the shadow of your wings I shout for joy. My soul is thirsting for you, O Lord, thirsting for you, my God. A reading from the first letter of St. Paul to the Thessalonians. We do not want you to be unaware, brothers and sisters, about those who have fallen asleep, so that you may not grieve like the rest who have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose, so too will God, through Jesus, 
Bring with him those who have fallen asleep. Indeed, we tell you this on the word of the Lord, that we who are alive, who are left until the coming of the Lord, will surely not precede those who have fallen asleep. For the Lord himself, with the word of command, with the voice of an archangel, and with the trumpet of God, will come down from heaven, and the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive, who are left, will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. Thus we shall always be with the Lord. Therefore, console one another with these words. The word of the Lord. from the Holy Gospel according to Matthew. Glory to you, O Lord. Jesus told his disciples this parable. The kingdom of heaven will be like ten virgins who took their lamps and went out to meet the bridegroom. Five of them were foolish, and five were wise. The foolish ones, when taking their lamps, brought no oil with them, but the wise brought flasks of oil with their lamps. Since the bridegroom was long delayed, they all became drowsy and fell asleep. At midnight there was a cry, Behold, the bridegroom, come out to meet him. Then all of those virgins got up and trimmed their lamps. The foolish ones said to the wise, Give us some of your oil, for our lamps are going out. But the wise ones replied, No, for there may not be enough for us and you. Go instead to the merchants and buy some for yourselves." While they went off to buy it, the bridegroom came, and those who were ready went into the wedding feast with him. Then the door was locked. Afterwards, the other virgins came and said, Lord, Lord, open the door for us. But he said in reply, Amen, I say to you, I do not know you. Therefore, stay awake, for you know neither the day nor the hour. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ.
so I gotta ask you, are you do you know anybody who is just obsessed with guessing when the end of the world is gonna be? I mean, I know a lot of people like this. They, they look into Scripture and try and pull this verse out of here and that verse out of there and say, oh, that's just like what's happening today. That's, that's just what's going on. Or else they'll, uh, they'll point to some of the approved apparitions that the church has, you know, like, like Fatima or Akita or one of the others. And they'll say, oh, look at this. This is, this is exactly like that. And they'll come and ask me. they say, do you think we're living in the end times? And I always tell them, yes. In terms of God's plan of salvation, the end times began with the incarnation of Jesus Christ. So everything after that, by definition, is the end times. So we live in what is this sort of in-between times, the time between when Christ has already achieved our salvation, but has not yet um, completed the final end and renewal of all creation that he has promised. The length of these end times is known only to God the Father. But as people of faith, we should be living our lives in a way that shows that we are ready for Jesus' second coming. Because it is a dogma of our faith that the bridegroom of the church will come. But we do not know the exact hour. This isn't a new problem. This is a problem that plagued the very first Christians in that first century. They were sure Christ was coming at any minute. But it kept not happening and not happening and not happening. And this is why, and this is kind of surprising to people when they first start studying Scripture. The Gospels are actually among the last things to have been written in the New Testament. You say, wait a minute, they're, they're at the beginning of the New Testament. Well, yeah, that's because chronologically they tell the story of Christ and then we see the growth of the church. They're laid out that way. But they're actually written later. The, the various letters, the epistles, letter to the Thessalonians that we read from today, letter to the Romans, all of those, pretty much written before the Gospels. But this was a problem for the early Christians. They were seeing people dying off, and they were worried that, you know, Christ said that you believed in him, you would have eternal life. St. Paul, if you listen carefully, addressed this exact concern in his letter to the Thessalonians. He tells them not to worry. He says, Christ will take care of it. He will raise the dead who have had their faith in him when he returns. Now, our gospel today reminds us that we have to always be prepared for that return. This parable, in fact, would have been very, very dear to the people of the early first century. You know, when they were hearing the gospel proclaimed, it was handed on, it's what we call the, the oral tradition before it was written down. So this would have been very, very dear to their hearts because, you know, where's Jesus? When is he coming? We don't know. When's the bridegroom coming? We don't know. We don't know. It reminded the people that they should never falter in being prepared. They should not give in to the persecutions and the tribulations that they faced. It reminds us of the same thing. St. Augustine, when he talked about this parable, had a really interesting take on it. 
Um, he said that if you look at the, the five groups of virgins, the five wise ones, I'm sorry, the two groups of five, so five wise virgins, five foolish virgins, he says that they each represent our senses, our five senses, because that is the way through which temptation comes into our lives, it's through our senses. And he says the oil that the wise ones remember but the foolish ones forget is the oil of their baptism, of their confirmation, the oil that was poured on us, that sealed us with the Holy Spirit. And so by remembering in whom and by whom we have been saved, we can tame, gradually tame our senses and moderate our desires so they do not lead us into sinful ways. But, you know, when we forget the oil, well, you know, just about anything can happen. Like the foolish ones do, we succumb to whatever comes along. So since we do not know and cannot know the hour of the bridegroom's return, it's best to us, for us to live with the end in mind. This is the message our church brings to us now as we're coming close to the end of the liturgical year. Because the liturgical calendar is about to start over again in Advent, this year is ending, and it asks, the church asks us, consider end things, the end times. Father Masry's talk that he's going to talk about, five last things. So what should we do about this? St. Ignatius reminds us that uh, use of what he calls the examine, this is not the examination of conscience that you do before uh, confession. Use of the examine means uh, every day, the end of the day, just before you go to sleep, briefly go through the events of the day. Try to see where you did well and where you did poorly. And offer prayer to God, thanking him for the times that you were able to do well and asking for his forgiveness, for his help, his strength, for those things that we could do better with. We can always, you know, take advantage of sacramental confession if we really go off the rails when we forget our oil. And we can strengthen ourselves through daily scripture and prayer. Now, this is nothing new. You've heard me preach this before. But it is true. Of course, the ultimate strengthening for us, for our souls, is the Holy Eucharist. And it's advisable for us to receive it worthily, receive it often, so that the Lord can fill us up with his love and we can feel his presence within us until he actually physically comes again. So is the end near? Absolutely. Absolutely. So don't forget your oil. God love you.